Imagine That Studios, in association with Ace Books, presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 3 The official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences Really? Ugh. Oh, this is ridiculous. <coughs> Stuff and nonsense. I'm detecting a note of skepticism in your voice, Eliza. Nothing gets beyond your perception, Welly. <sighs> Were you aware of this little yarn of science fiction within the archives? Oh, I vaguely remember this. One of my predecessors. And a nasty case of... Time travel. With everything you have seen and experienced in the field, you're telling me... Nothing, (laughs) and I mean nothing, is as ludicrous as time travel. Why? Do you want a scientific or an ethical perspective? Eliza, you have never appeared so alluring to me before until this moment. Welly, I'm serious. Meddling with the balance of time and space carries astounding consequences. Consequences that should not be tested. And from the scientific perspective, the amount of resources and raw power needed to make it happen, it's an impossibility. Best left alone. Is it really? Clockwork Portal, When Timelines Go Awry, by Stacia D. Kelly. Act One. Damn it, Risa hissed as she ducked behind the nearest table as a bar stool flew past her head. While she could have taken the old leather and oak to the skull, she was more than happy to avoid the pain. Do not like this demon fascist wizard, she said to herself. He might be cute, sexy, and damn those eyes, but he was already getting on her last nerve. Stupid, sultry, and needed-to-be-killed creature. Wasn't that the M.O. of a demon? No wonder she tried to steer clear of the male gender, human or otherwise. She cut a glance to her left to locate her sister, Iniko, who watched him intently as if he were a mouse to her cat. Iniko's darker skin blended better into the shadows, while hers left her feeling exposed in the golden glow of the tavern's flickering lights. Her sister's amber eyes flashed fire of pure annoyance when she glanced her way. The chaos playing out before them solidified their initial thoughts, and they were in complete agreement. This pesky demon required a lesson in manners. She knew entering such an enclosed area would cause problems, but Ink insisted they needed to take down Sabella before he tried leaving the tavern. Grace had only wanted a damn drink. She had behaved since Shia had set them to this task. She should have kept with her regular nightly routine of a bottle of vodka and people watching. Thunder cracked and shook the building. She scanned the cavern, knowing full well the walls would hold. As they'd entered, she'd seen the ornate sign outside, hanging in the low light of a lantern. Trip to Jerusalem, 1189. Long before she'd been born. But not so much so before she is, the original samurai sister's time. Race had done a brief study of the history of the tavern with the sandstone walls and network of caverns below. She knew the building would survive a storm. 
Everything rumbled around her again. The thunderstorm should be a non-factor. That is, if it were merely a thunderstorm. The large crack made her pause. Right now, that was a big if. She sighed. Damn demon. Without him around, she'd be investigating every nook and cranny of the old place. Old places like this, the walls held stories. As if in response, lightning ripped through the room. She bit her lip. The walls remained solid and steady. The bottles shook but stayed in their places. She glared at Sabello. That little energetic spike had come from the demon, not the storm, unless he'd started to channel its power. She wouldn't put the light and sound show past him. She might need to rethink the building holding on to the strength of the foundation. Bastard. She'd better things to do than play with some psycho jaunting across the Atlantic. And he had led them on a short but merry chase. What was so important with this place? It was old, dank, and foul. Plus, it needed a better selection of vodka. Another chair flew over her head. She curled her fingers around the steel center stand of the table. Freak, you annoy me, she called out. You will not succeed in this. Cease this destruction, and I will refrain from cutting off your head. Her swords lay nestled beneath her dark leather jacket. She didn't like using them in public places, but if forced, she'd bend the light to keep prying eyes at bay. The remaining patrons wouldn't see her blades or the damage they inflicted. She ignored Ink's incredulous glare. His energetic heat pattern washed over her as she peeked around the table. Her prey stood a mere ten feet away from her, standing in the opening of a tunnel that led further into the depths of the tavern, perhaps down into the caves below. She made a face at her sister Samurai. Raisa would not allow the creature to leave the building with its head intact. She'd love to separate several body parts, but would be happy with just his head, for now. He had interrupted her drinking. She'd deserved that shot, especially having to deal with Kieran on set. Her heart rate accelerated at the thought of the... She tramped down on the thoughts of the lethal stuntman she'd left behind. She had a job to do. She forced herself to focus and glanced at Ink. She sent her sister a hand signal. Ink nodded in return and retreated further into the shadows. Raisa took a deep breath. Lightning held no power to cause her damage. She stood up and stepped out. Sabella's gaze met hers. His eyes were incredulous, wide and frenzied. He would death wish track her. His lip lifted as if to smile at her and turned more into a sneer. Don't hesitate in taking you down. Death surrounds me, mongrel. Raisa hooked her hands in her back pockets. She cocked her head. She bit her lip to keep from smiling, imagining the figure she made before her prey. Her entire being looked far better on set than in a real fight. None of it mattered. She'd still take him down. She knew she looked only partially threatening. That was by design. She hadn't changed out of her ripped up jeans, combat boots, and black leather jacket. Besides, she was tiny. It was an added bonus. You're not going to stand in my way, so Tara is far more important than you, he said, and his eyebrows forked. The energy he sent her way danced around her, glittering as the waves dropped away from her natural shields. The rare human with psychic tendencies, or others in tune with the energies, would have seen the process. Raisa smiled. Smart, sexy, dedicated demon. It figured his love was his focus. Her hold on the molecules around her steadied. Let the demon think she was a mere mortal, or less than he was. Stupid male. Down the hallway, behind Sabello, a portal appeared. A sputtering saffron rectangle sparked to life, just beyond the edge of the main room, down the hallway behind him. Haunting click and whirl sound emanated from the depths. Every sail in Race's body vibrated and hummed. Her energy began to match the energy of the shimmering doorway. She frowned as her skin started to tingle. She cut a glance at Ink, whose eyes had widened at her. Race, watch out! 
Ink cried out, but the warning came too late. Allowing it to swallow him whole, the demon fell back into the portal. Risa couldn't have stopped herself if she tried. As her cells splintered apart, thousands upon thousands of synapses fired in her system. Her body flowed right into the damn thing with him. She attempted to turn, twist, check on ink, but the energy snapped shut behind her as fast as it had appeared. She tumbled into darkness, falling. What felt like hours later, but could have only been minutes, gravity re-engaged and she dropped out of the gateway's tunnel. She stumbled and then crumpled to the ground. Her head snapped back with a resounding crack. Stars swam and darkness descended even further. With a muttered curse, she passed out. Brisa took a deep breath in as she came to. She groaned when knives stumped across her head. She wouldn't mind if the pain had been the result of a night of drinking superb vodka and throwing said knives. She forced another breath and rolled to her side. Hopefully, she hadn't been out too long, and even better if she hadn't broken anything in her landing. She stayed there, waiting for the world to right itself. Miss, do you require aid? She frowned without opening her eyes. She swallowed in a gallant effort to keep her stomach from pitching and heaving. Whatever the hell the energy had been in that portal had messed her up far more than anything before. Miss? She bit back a growl. Damn, Brits. Couldn't leave her girl to herself for a few seconds. Da, I'll be fine in a minute, she said, pushing herself to her hands and knees. She was never going to hear the end of this from her sisters. Their eldest sister always cautioned them to be wary of the magic the demons liked to weld. The world finally stopped turning at a crazy pace on her and she opened her eyes slowly. Still dark, but light filtered down from a lamppost, casting a warm, yellow glow over everything around her. She frowned. Her surroundings appeared off. She turned her head to where the voice had come from, her breath caught. A man stood next to her wearing a top hat, double-breasted vest, and well-pressed pants. He held an old-fashioned cane in one hand. She paused at the sight of his mechanical arm, made out of gadgets and gears. He looked down at her as if she were some sort of oddity. Her heart raced and she dared to glance around. Buildings everywhere, the sounds of rushing water nearby. But what about the lights and the sounds of vehicles? Had she fallen onto a movie set? Where am I, she asked. Where do you think you are? The click and whir of his arm hit her ears as he reached a hand to help her to her feet. I was in Nottingham at the trip. Pain sliced through her head, coming from the back to the front. Her eye twitched in response. She gingerly took his offered arm, curious as to how the thing actually worked. At least she knew she was still in the UK based on his accent. Well, you're in London now. She nodded. She was lucky it was London. But not the London as she knew it. She turned. The Thames filtered past her on one side. But the blue and white lights that littered her landscape were no longer there. She searched the horizon. What are you looking for, miss? He cocked his head to the side. Where are the eye, the pickle, and the lights? The hell are all her lights? He frowned at her. I'm not sure what you mean. She started as a faint glimmer of trail snaked down the street. She glanced back at the man. Perhaps I'd be better asking what time this is? He reached in the pocket of his vest and pulled out a timepiece. Risa cursed in her breath. I don't mean the time of day, I meant the year. Based on what she thought she could see, she wasn't in the same time as she should have been. It had been 2016, and her immediate surroundings reminded her of times long past. 
You'll be in the year of 1855, miss. Are you sure you're all right? Perhaps we should walk towards the hospital. You might have hit your head harder than you thought. She lifted a hand to the bump in the back of her head. She'd suffered worse. She'd be fine. No, thank you. I appreciate the concern. However, I know where I need to go. She released his odd mechanical arm and smiled at the strange man. She would not pass in this time well. She hadn't enjoyed the timeline the first time around. London, 1855, and her a Russian. It was rare to be a good time for her to be in the UK. Russian relations with the bulk of the world were tenuous most days. She tried to blend into the night and stopped in a shadow when the world wouldn't bend to her will. She frowned. She muttered a curse under her breath. Her energy refused to cooperate. She couldn't pull the air around her like she wanted to. She bit down on her lip. Had that pesky demon magician done something to her when he pulled her into the portal with him? She stared at her hand as if the lines held a revelation. She would decapitate him in a heartbeat if he didn't return her to her own time. She wondered if she and the others knew she'd gone time-traveling. Would any of her sisters be in the local area now? She should have paid better attention to their history. Only six of them would be in existence instead of the twelve who hunted 2016. Thankfully, the weight of her sword settled snug against her shoulder blades. Something else remained off. The man's arm, with its gadgets and gears, was nothing like any contraption she'd seen, and she'd seen a lot in her 400 years of existence. She'd have to stick to the shadows as much as possible. She catalogued everything around her. Clothes, da, stolen would do. It wouldn't be the first time and definitely not the last. She didn't need to be encumbered with the billowing skirts and tight corsets. A flash of Kieran's face crossed her mind. Well, maybe the corsets held merit. Weapons? Her swords had never let her down before. She bit her lip. It would have been so much easier if she could bend the light as usual. The demon's trail pulsed in the darkness, taunting her to follow. She blew at the stray strand of hair that drifted into her eyes. The energy mocked her as if it could sense she couldn't bend and pop through time and space on her own for the moment. This couldn't be permanent. If she refused to let herself even think that it was, she would never see her sisters or Kieran. No. She stomped down on the thought and said, set out at a steady pace in the dark of the night. A rainbow of colors had begun to streak across the eastern horizon. She dodged the early morning pedestrians, almost willing herself to disappear in the shadows. She wound through the streets, sense of fresh break bread mixed in with the unwashed odors from the alleyways. It was a unique mixture known only to big cities. Where had she traveled in 1855? The clicks and whirs of mechanical devices assaulted her ears. She's pretty sure this wasn't her original 1855. Did that mean her sisters weren't in existence here? Her heart almost stopped. Did that mean she shouldn't be here? And yet, no, she had a job to do, and the fact his trail shimmered before her meant she needed to hustle. Future be damned, she jogged along the cobblestone. The trail came to an abrupt halt in front of the warehouse near the edge of the river. The sign above declared the place as Miggins Antiquities, finest imports from the Empire. Her eyebrow lifted. What did the demon magician want with antiquities? She reached out and tested the door, a sigh releasing when the knob twisted quietly under her hand. She opened it and promptly sneezed. Dust blew into the air, blocking her vision for a moment. She exhaled. Thankfully, at the early hour, few people would be about to stop her. Although she had to wonder at their security, leaving the door open at this hour of the morning. She continued to track the demon through the desks and shelves. A smirk crossed her lips. If Maya, her sister, had joined her, she would be lost for days, insisting on studying and journaling about each of the antiques. Raisa discarded speculation. She focused on the current investigation in her trail. The demon's footsteps didn't fade. They ended. She exhaled. 
The trail ended at an elevator. She tapped the button. Her breath caught as the doors opened. Thankfully, the car was empty. The demon's trail shuffled around the floor. She stepped in, knowing full well whatever fall wouldn't kill her, something make her even more uncomfortable for a while. The rickety piece of equipment clunked and whirred as it lowered. She flinched when the doors opened more loudly than she would have liked, nothing like announcing her presence with a bang. She cast a wary glance around the dark labyrinth in its semi-organized chaos. She caught the faint sounds of the Thames on the outside wall, and for a moment wondered how strong the walls were to keep the river at bay. A hiss of movement was all she had as a warning as a body smashed into her, intent on slamming her head into the exact wall she'd been examining. Her fingers curled, latching onto muscular forearms, searching for the pressure points she knew were there. She curved her back, taking the brunt of the hit with her upper back and shoulders. She didn't need another bump on her head. She was sure she was already fighting the effects of a concussion. She ignored Sabella's whispered curses in her ear and lifted both her feet, kicking soundly against his chest. She slid down the wall, landing on her feet crouched and ready to spring at the demon the second she detected a chance. You really know how to welcome a lady, she said, as she reached up and slid her swords out of their resting place on her back. She knew the heavy hit onto the old stone wall was going to leave one more mark on her already damaged body. His lip lifted in a sneer, his eyes piercing as the morning light tried to peek through any nook or crevice it could, using the shades of colored that hovered between lightness and dark. His dark hair stuck out in wild tufts around a chiseled face, as far as demon magicians went, this one was downright gorgeous. You're no lady, his voice carried over even over the steady drip of water somewhere in the basement. She tried to piece together everything and anything in her immediate surroundings out of the corner of her eye. Some sort of contraption took up a large portion of the area she was in, but it looked to be in the building phase. Perhaps there were a few items of use that the builder weren't finished yet. She wasn't above throwing a wrench at the wretch's head. She had him for the semi-concussion she had. But some all clicks and whirs around the place might sidetrack the man, if she was lucky. Duh, you may be right about that. She mapped out a quick pattern across the floor, and over several pipes and around a few others, enough time to sneak around him and take his head from his shoulders. I simply want the book. It will bring her back. We have no quarrel except that I brought you with me on accident. He made him move towards her. He bit back a hiss of surprise as she moved into supernova speed and zipped closer to him. He lifted his hands as if to defend himself. His few muttered words, energy snapped around him, and he disappeared into thin air. Grace halted in mid-strike, poised as some sort of avenging angel as gaslight lanterns lit up around her. I dare say you don't belong down here. State your name before I hand you over to the agents upstairs. A deeply British accent washed over her, a hint of shock glazing his tone. She turned slowly and took a deep breath. The cards weren't in her favor with this one, no matter which hand she played. She was busy finding something to get rid of the adrenaline building in her system. Slowly, she sheathed her swords, keeping a wary eye on him. My name will mean nothing to you, but I bet you're more interested in the man who was standing here and now isn't. She didn't see any weapons on him, but that didn't mean he wasn't hiding them. And with the demon on the loose, she wasn't placing any bets. Perhaps it's best if I start. Demetrius Sotor, at your service. I'm the archivist here at the ministry. He gave her a slight bow. Lisa lifted an eyebrow, wondering if she'd stepped into the set of crazy town. Archivist? Ministry? Ministry of Chateau. When he frowned at her, she realized her mistake. Ministry of what? You're obviously not versed in Russian. A crash in the depths of the building caused them to both start. Keep up if you can, Archivist. My demon is creating chaos. Well, you might not be able to tell with what's already here. She darted past him, following the sounds, and attempted to weed through the layers of scents. Somewhere, past the dusk and murkiness of water, she would pick up his scent. Lady, you cannot be down here, not without approval, and that takes years of being an agent and then special course on the care and maintenance of the items housed here, the archivist said from behind her, surprisingly, not far on her heels. 
Really? The man was mad, lecturing her on protocol when he handled demon loose among how many ancient artifacts? Energy pulsed off most of them. A few lay dormant, mostly in wait. I'm not going to be here long enough for you to get approval, you lunatic. She glanced back over her shoulder. If you tell me what he's looking for, I could simply search the archive logs and locate the item and him for you, he said. She didn't detect any traces of unease about keeping up her pace. He managed to stumble to a halt behind her when she stopped. She held up a hand, indicating silence. Sounds ricocheted from above. The demon was climbing the stacks. He's going to damage or accidentally trigger something. If we don't get him down from there, Director Fund is going to send me to an early retirement, and I don't mean with a nice package. He looked up with her as if he were calculating what the fastest way possible was to get the other man down. I will go up. Nothing will be damaged, you have my word. But bringing others into this equation will only make matters worse, and perhaps, as you said, trigger one of these. I'm not going to even ask how you came to have such items in your possession. They should have all been destroyed. You have no idea what they'll bring to the planet in the future. She shifted the sides of her jacket, zipping it so she wouldn't accidentally hit something. He looked startled at the sound of the zipper. She looked up into the stacks that seemed never-ending and flinched when his hand landed on her leather, covered arm. Lady, I cannot send you up to battle. I am trained. She held up a hand. I'm fairly certain you don't deal in magics and demons. I do. He brought me here with him. I intend to take him back with me to our own time and space. You can't expect me to stay here and do nothing. You're not an agent. Climbing through the stacks is unheard of, he said. She glanced down at him as she ready to take her first leap up. Then do something useful. Figure out what book he's trying to find that would bring someone back from the dead. That's what he's after. He stepped forward quickly, pulling something out of his pocket of his double-breasted vest. Here, take this. If you're caught by the others, you can use that as a pass. He stuffed it in the pocket of her jacket before she could see what it was. She nodded, leapt, and started to finger and toe climb up the stacks, having no more time to waste. She couldn't let the demon trigger a device on accident. Who knew if he triggered something far worse than the portal he'd already pulled her through? She smiled to herself. Her sisters would never believe her love of caving and rock climbing would come in handy in a place such as this. Act 3. He ripped a hand through his hair. If Director Fun let him live after this, he'd be a lucky man. And if she were to be believed, or she was, he had a demon on the loose in the archives. He looked forward to documenting it all after he figured out where this elusive book rested in his library. In the meantime, he strained to listen for the unusual woman spider crawling her way up the stacks. Did he even have any items that could bring someone back from the dead? How do you stand being down here? He started as the booming voice with its thick Scottish accent. Agent Kevin Robertson strode down the darkened corridor, looking like a massive dark ball, leaving little room between his large body and the racks around him. He groaned. This is so not what he needed. Two crazy people on the loose in his archives, and now an agent who was sure to hear the upheaval going on above them. He dared not steal a glance upwards. Instead, he contemplated the barrel-chested man as he drew closer. He would spend some time down here, see what it's like to work with the artifacts. He knew he was the butt of many jokes on the floors above. He volunteered for the job, far more suited to organization than being out in the field. The books, devices, and other items drew him in. Robertson laughed. I'm not an archivist, man. I can't even organize me sock drawer. Demetrius sighed. Of course not. Robertson was mostly brawn and better with people than things. What brings you down here? He opened the desk drawer and pulled out a ledger. Gold lettering graced the cover with the word books spelled out. He silently thanked God, whoever his extra guests were, they were at least quiet. Well, man, it seems as though our illustrious boss is in need of the pocket watch that was recently brought down. He thinks it's tied to the case he handed me. Dimitri sat out of breath. He didn't realize he'd been holding. You're in luck. I hadn't actually archived it yet. His gaze flicked to the shelf to his left, where several items rested, waiting to be cataloged. 
He froze as the sound of something tumbling down rattled the nearby racks. Robertson jumped to his feet, eyes strained upwards. Demetrius ran a hand over his face. This building has more things falling apart than staying stable. The other agent glanced at him, his body relaxing some. Don't know how you do it down here, Soder. I'd be jumping at every little thing. He turned back to him and held his hand. Best if I'd be getting the watch and returning to the director's office. Demetrius nodded and pulled out another ledger from his desk, this one labeled checkout. He pushed the open book towards the other man. Sign here so we have a log as to where it went. While Robertson signed the ledger, Demetrius took one of the cloths laying on the shelf and wrapped the pocket watch with it carefully, as to not touch the actual device. Remember, activation occurs on skin contact. The agent inclined his head and held out his hand. Hi. The sound of something else clattering across the racks had them both looking up again. Demetrius cleared his throat. Seems as though the energies of some of the devices is causing a little bit of havoc today. I'll have to go up and see if I need to move a few of them around or away from each other. Strange job you have here, Soder. Strange job. Robertson pocketed the watch and gave him a friendly smile. Whenever you want to get out of the basement and see some real action, let me know. I'd be happy to return the favor. Demetrius nodded, mentally wishing the other man were already gone. What in the nine hells was the woman doing up there? His palms itched. He had a feeling there was more than action going on above, right above his head. He waited until the elevator's doors completely closed. He tucked the book's ledger into his jacket and raced through the stacks to the winding staircase that reached up into the depths. Five years in the making, and they already had more than he could keep chronicled. Where did you go, crazy one? He said to himself as he ascended one of the rolling ladders. He started as a slender hand popped over the top of the stack, followed closely by her head. Vivid green eyes flashed at him in what he hoped was amusement. Coming up to help me? He reached up without thinking about it and started as he stood next to her. My name is not Meat. He sniffed and adjusted his jacket, the ledger of books feeling solid against his chest. She winked at him. Well, it's better than tree. Tree? An ache began somewhere in the back of his head. Delicate fingers lifted the handkerchief out of her pocket and dangled it before his nose. Die, you said Demetrius, did you not? I think meat suits you better. He ran a hand across his face. They were so not having this conversation atop the stacks in his archives, a place where she shouldn't be. He cleared his throat. My name is Demetrius, not meat, and certainly not tree. She shrugged and turned, stepping lightly between items. She cast a glance over her shoulder. Well, beats me calling you tree. Her soft laughter wrapped around him. He started forward, a headache moving into his temples. What the hell was wrong with her? He was certain he wasn't going to like the answer. Risa gingerly made her way across the tower and shelves. She knew with one misstep she could set off an entire chain reaction, even worse than having an interdimensional portal swallow her whole. She'd seen the reruns of Warehouse 13. She knew what the artifacts could do in close proximity to each other. She wondered if the energies in her timeline had picked up the energies here and translated the idea into a hit TV show. She'd have loved to work some of the stunts on that one. She took another deep breath. Focus. No more tangents. These Brits had no idea the power they held in this buried space. She tucked her hair behind her ear, intent on listening. A soft scurrying came from silver racks over. Better have good jumping skills, meet. She tossed back over her shoulder and leapt to the next shelving unit. She moved over to make room when she heard his muttered curse. She had to be creating all sorts of havoc in his organized mind. Maybe this time travel trip had a purpose. She did love stirring things up. You do realize we have a perfectly good cataloging system and could be doing this on the ground, he asked as he teetered before straightening upright. She tilted her head at him and smiled. Da, but where's the fun in that? What's the matter, Fredo Heights? She winked at him and simply stepped off the top rack of the shelves. She grinned as he gasped at the same time, bracing herself for a harder-than-intended landing. The air responded with enough aid to break the velocity of her descent. Energy danced around her, and she took off at a sprint down the road. The orange haze of Sabello's trail taunted her. Damned if the demon hadn't found what he was looking for. He'd headed off on a dead run. 
above her, Demetrius's attempts to follow her sounded far louder than his muttered curses. He must have found another path down and wasn't far on her heels. She sniffed. It was only because he knew his archives better than she, and it had nothing to do with her injuries. She turned a sharp corner and halted. Samurai, Sabella smiled at her, standing before a ghostly gold window. Raisa groaned. Another portal. This demon had more ways to jump out of a place than he had lives. He had to know where each one went. Sabella returned the book. It's not yours. She planted her feet and stood up a little straighter. She wasn't the most threatening of her sisters, but he had to know she was going to take him down. On the contrary, my lovely Russian she-cat, it is my book and it is coming back with me. You, however, can... Soda me man, Robertson sauntered around the corner, almost walking into Sabello and the portal. The big man's eyes flared wide and his hand automatically went for his pistol. Risa bolted into action, flowing towards them both, intent on pushing the agent out of the way and tackling Sabello. Instead, as before, the energy rushed her, pulling her forward more forcibly than she had intended. The world closed around her with a resounding snap. She couldn't be sure the curses were her own as the blackness descended again and the pounding increased. I'm going to plant his head on a stick somewhere, preferably someplace remote and sandy and hotter than Hades, she muttered with a hand pressed to her throbbing temple. I do say I might have to help you with that, milady. Demetrius's distinct accent cut through the pain and her eyes snapped open. The archivist lay a few feet from her, his large form barely moving at the edges of the street lamp shadows. She glanced around, wondering exactly how much and what time they had lost. She forced herself to her hands and knees, biting back a wave of nausea. She needed to get a faster hold on teleporting in this dimension. She hoped she wasn't rearranging her chemical makeup so badly that she'd have to adjust all over again when she made it home. She held on to that word. When, not if. What in blimey hell was that? The rough Scottish accent ripped through the darkness. She moved in quick silver motion, her swords out before she even thought about it, whirling and sinking to defend herself from the Brit. The big man glared down at her as he lumbered forward. Put away your shiny trinkets. Who are you and what are you doing in the archives? He made a move to draw closer and Risa hissed at him from her position. The blades danced in a wicked blockade. None of your concerns, Scottish. You're in my way. Dimitri struggled to his feet behind her. Agent Robinson, she's undercover hunting a thief. Please, stand down. We need to catch him before he opens the next one. Risa turned her head ever so slightly. The next one? The Brit nodded at her. Yes, he hasn't used the book yet. The portal was of his own doing. You could see the power shift. Nothing else nearby him changed frequency, only him. So, a wily Brit detected energies too. No wonder he'd been down in the archives. Now it made sense. Have someone with the ability to sense the patterns, keeping an eye on those things with the most energy. Her estimation of the project went up a notch, but only slightly. When the Scot made no move towards her, race straightened and tucked her swords back in their resting place, effectively making them disappear against her body. At least one of her vibrational frequencies continued to work here. You're saying he's trying to use the book to return to my time and then activate the spell f he wants for this Zotera of his? She frowned. She would have made a logic leap for this one. Her head just throbbed. She glanced around and smiled. The trip of Jerusalem signs swayed on the building across the street. Come on, boys. I think I see where my demon went. She strode towards the pub, knowing they'd either fallen behind her or not. She ignored the heated yet whispered conversation behind her. Her palm warmed as she pushed the all-too-familiar door open. We should really come up with a plan to draw him away from the tavern and the people, the Scot commented, his large presence filling up the doorway. She shrugged and walked past him. Da, same recommendation the first time, too. Is she always this way? Robertson asked Demetrius. She sensed Demetrius' shrug. I've known her for about an hour now, I think. Race has shut them both out. Her gaze shifted and she sorted through all the energetic patterns. She took her time. The sweat and stench of warm bodies made her hold her breath for a moment. 
She exhaled, switching totally into the other realm. The orange trail pulsed, twisting and turning through the room, and then burst into a glittering formation at the entry to the caves. Unless you want to check out my time and dimension, I'd suggest you gentlemen find a seat and get a drink. She flicked her hand in the general direction of an empty table. If this goes anything like the first, you don't want to be anywhere near me. She lifted an eyebrow and glanced down at the hand that wrapped around her arm. Two seconds to remove... Demetrius didn't flinch. You cannot take the book. It needs to remain in the archives. That book is my ticket home. The demon won't survive long enough to use it. She glared at him. And all those items shouldn't be in one place to begin with. They should be destroyed so things like this don't happen. I cannot allow that. Demetrius shook his head at her. She could tell he thought she was crazy. Never mind the demon had already hopped them from London to Nottingham. The Scot cleared his throat. We'd best be moving on. He jutted his chin out, indicating the others in the room watching them. Grace said, fine, stay behind me. I won't be called to task if he takes one of your heads with him. She shook off Demetrius' hand and stalked through the mass of people. They were just as bad as her sisters. Epilogue. She should have taken better precautions about masking her presence. She knew better than to engage the locals in her hunt. And here, she had two of them trailing after her. What was she, a newborn? A soft snick whispered through the air and a sharp sting sliced into her shoulder. She hissed as she glanced down. Her lips pressed together. A beautiful, ornate throwing star sunk deep into her skin. She reached up with her other hand and yanked it from its place, refusing to acknowledge the pain ripping across the muscle. White hot fire spread down into her arm. Demetrius and his partner both started forward as if to defend her. She held up her good hand with the throwing star. Halt. The demon was going to die. Of that much she was certain. No more playing with him and letting others get in her way. She sent a ripple, a small wave to test the dimensional energy. Each vibration responded slowly, sluggishly, but they were listening. She smiled as the molecules bent to her will. With a satisfied snap, she wrapped the air molecules around her body and vanished from plain sight. What the hell? Robertson uttered his shock apparent. She remained silent and moved forward, relying on the energy patterns rather than sight and sound. To her left, around the corner, colors snaked over the ground. Oranges tinted with purple and gold. She rolled across the opening of the hallway, ignoring the pain in her shoulder, to the other side. Sure enough, another portal shimmered open, the saffron rectangle appearing exactly as it had the first time, and the same haunting melody drifting along the currents. Sabello seemed to be waiting for it to form, the outline hazy still. The star must have been triggered by a trap. There was no way the demon could move that fast while calling the portal to being. Faint scuffling sound from the corridor behind her pushed her into action. She couldn't have the agents pulled through this one as well. She'd take the chance the portal would close and kill her chance of returning home. Her first priority was terminating Sabello and his plans. Her vision narrowed and the star that had so expertly found its mark in her shoulder zipped through the air, accelerating with her slight push. Sabello clapped a hand to his throat, his eyes wide with horror, his response slow to the poison he tipped the edges with. He stared at the twin blades as if they came in its slow motion. Race and wasted no time with song and dance. She slipped closer, dropped the energy around her, and severed his head from his shoulders. She grabbed the book with her short sword hand before it fell to the floor, or even worse, through the portal. The demon made no sound. Only his pleading eyes showed, his, showed as his body cracked and shattered before falling to dust. Satisfaction wound through her with a hint of sadness. She wasn't above a good love story. Hell, she lived on a Hollywood set, thrived on her stunt work. Who didn't want to see a story with a happy reunion? She just couldn't afford the outcome. The two agents stumbled to a halt next to her, guns drawn. An eyebrow lifted. Crazy men. Demons weren't dispatched with bullets. Well, nice to meet you both, but I must return now. The book goes with me so Shia can study it. The portal information is vital. It will help us track them better. 
Now, Lady, Robertson's pistol wavered, and he began to point it at her rather than the ash at her feet. Dimitri stepped in front of him, turning sideways so he could see them both. Wait a moment, he held up his hand. It's between them. We can solve this, rationally. Risa lifted an eyebrow and kicked at the dust next to her foot. You collect strange artifacts, watch me decapitate a demon, and you still want to talk rational? She shook her head. Duh, Hubert's are crazier than my risky family. Robertson, the book helps to open portals, as our eye harvester will go with her to keep it in safekeeping and return when these demon hunters are satisfied that we can contain the items and they can keep the portals closed. He stood up to his full height. Just make sure this one seals behind us and no one can follow. Me, you don't want to be in my time. It's not like what you have here. She settled her swords back into place, keeping a hold of the book. She didn't like its aura. And truth be told, her arm ached from the poison. Her sisters would kill her if she left such an item out of their hands. Robertson took her sign of sheathing her weapons as a good faith and reholstered his. Soder, you have no idea what you're getting into. Demetrius dropped his hand and nodded. You are correct. However, I cannot allow an artifact out of our hands. Mesa tilted her head, listening. The melody of the portal shifted. Sorry, gentlemen. Are you amongst yourselves? My window is closing. Before either blink, she stepped backwards into the portal, allowing the energy to rush her. This time, she was better prepared. Do you ever get used to that? She smiled, even though she was flat on her back. Again. The book weighed down on her chest. It doesn't usually work that way when I do it. Figured he'd follow her. Damn persistent man. Very dedicated to his calling. She could respect that. Reza? Her name drifted out of the darkness. She didn't even bother attempting to open her eyes yet. She sensed Ink's presence. Da, sister. I promise it's me. You blinked out of existence. She and the others are not happy with you. Or for me, that matter. Her sister's hands landed on her, checking her over from head to toe. There's poison sealed in your shoulder. We've been gone over 48 hours. Poison? Demetrius yelped as if he'd run into something sharp and pointy. Ink, he's with me. He helped dispatch the demon. Soft swish of a blade were cheating was her only acknowledgement. The poison is disintegrating. I had a little bit of time where I was. And hell, I've disappeared for longer than that. She opened her eyes and started up at the familiar side of the ca- stared up at the familiar side of the cavern ceiling. The energy patterns around her settled back into their normal cadence. She sighed. No rest for the weary. She rolled to her side and hopped to her feet. Ink didn't even smile at her, but sensed the relief in the African samurai. She glanced over at the archivist. He looked like he'd been on a three-day bender. As much as I'd like to make introductions, I can hear a few sisters demanding an explanation adding to my already aching head. She handed Demetrius the book. Better hold on to that meat. She wrapped a hand around each of their arms and pulled the energy around her as fast as she dared. With a loud pop, they echoed out of one place and solidly appear in Shia's warehouse. Risa dropped her hands and grinned at those waiting for them. A small, wiry, and beautiful agent stepped towards them. Risa? Behind her, her sisters littered the hallway, all races and ethnicities. A sounding thud sounded next to her. She glanced down at Demetrius, the book still held tightly in his arms. Well, that introduction went well. She tucked her hands in her back pockets and stepped over the archivist, whistling as she headed straight for the kitchen. Vodka, she deserved a shot. Ilsa had better not have poured her rake out. Health coach, business mentor, and author, Stacia D. Kelly loves helping others find their passion and live it. After years of working in the corporate IT world, she found her home in helping others reach their health goals and helping them enjoy their lives. Stacia is the author of the fiction works Fix, Goddess of Fire, Ichi, and the upcoming Gaian. 
Her non-fiction work includes Reduce You, Muse, and Nine Months In, Nine Months Out. Read more at stashakelly.com. Theme music composed and performed by Alex White. Find out more at thegearheart.com. For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, visit ministryofpeculiaroccurrences.com to order Dawn's Early Light, now available everywhere in your favorite bookstores and online in print and digital formats. This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Tales in the Archives. And imagine that studios, Ace Books production. I'm T. Morris. And I'm Philippa Ballantyne. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.